HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of Pizza Quest. This episode was recorded on location in Atlantic City during this year's Northeast Pizza and Pasta and Bakery Expo. Over the course of two days, I got the chance to interview a number of luminaries in the pizza and baking world, deliver educational presentations, and talk to the judges at both the pizza and the bagel competitions. We couldn't have covered this event without the help of our underwriters, and this episode was sponsored by Forno Bravo. Forno Bravo produces the world's finest modular and assembled pizza ovens to homes, outdoor kitchens, restaurants, and mobile businesses around the world. To learn more, please visit fornobravo.com. That's F-O-R-N-O-B-R-A-V-O.com. In today's episode, we speak with the legendary Paulie G and find out how he became so legendary. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinert, still here at the Northeast Pizza, Pasta, and Baking Expo in Atlantic City, New Jersey, where we've been talking to a lot of great people, recording uh, presentations, uh, judging pizzas, and uh, right now I'm sitting with one of the keynote speakers uh, of the entire event, uh, the legendary Paulie G, uh, who has become a good friend over the last few years, and, and we met, the first time we met in person, Paulie, was right here at this event about... I don't know, five, ten years ago, whenever it was, we met. It was the first event they had here. First one. Yeah, I think and, it was 2017. And and since then, we've seen each other a lot, and he's been even visited me in Charlotte, North Carolina. And and but I want to hear, Paulie, about your keynote. You gave a keynote yesterday, which I couldn't go because I was doing a different presentation at the same time. So what did you tell people? What was it, what was it? Was it a was it a like a, somebody interviewing you kind of? It was thing? an interview, yeah, because I, I'm not good at speeches. If I was good at doing speeches I might still be in the corporate world I, I just <laughs> yeah, hated it right. and I was so honored that they wanted to have me as a keynote but I said listen I, I can't do it you know it, it, unless you want to do it like in an interview format he says oh yeah that's no problem that's, so Jer- that, that's Jeremy, a good way to do it yeah so that, Jeremy White who's the editor-in-chief of Pizza Today did he was the yeah, MC yeah right? he was great he really was great so. So what uh, kind of questions did he ask you? Uh, you know, I don't remember, but I just remembered that it, I got very verklempt quite often, okay? <laughs> no, I really did. Really? It seems like um, uh, every time I talked about somebody who was supportive of me, yeah. it, it got me 
you know. You made that emotional, emotional yeah. connection. I had to stop sometimes, and it was good, and, you know. Wow, well, that's well, it's nice, because when, when you're feeling emotional, I'm sure the audience is feeling it with you. Yeah, I, I hope so. I really hope so, and I hope I, you know, inspired some people. I mean, that's Did, did you uh, get a pretty good crowd in there, Fred? Yeah, they waited until after the... The nine o'clock workshops were over, yeah. so so they filtered in. Yeah. So so like, what were some of the, what would say golden nuggets of information or knowledge that you shared with the crowd? Well, I just saw a couple of people that um, they said that they, um, you know, they really enjoyed my um, my interview. So I asked them. I learned when I was an Amway distributor, you should <laughs> ask people. Uh, questions that elicit a positive response. So I asked him, so what did you like best about it? Yeah. And, and the first thing the guy said was that I pointed out that we don't have customers, we have guests. Ah. And and I went back to him and I said, don't forget, I also said, we don't sell pizza, we serve pizza. Nice. So yeah, little so subtle was, things like that. But yeah. I, you know, I just, I, I, I talk to people about believing in yourself, finding that belief and making commitments and those are the things I want to get across. And, and the philosophy, we've talked about this before in other interviews. And by the way, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, you can go back on the Pizza Quest website and, and put Paulie G's name in there and you'll see interviews we've done with him in the past. But um, I know one of the things, there's kind of almost like a, a philosophy, a hospitality philosophy that's developed and that you've, that you've built your business around, you and your wife and... And she was even going to write a book about it, I think, at one point. She's she, still working on that. And we, she doesn't talk to me much about it, but she's <laughs> but still a, working on it. It's a passion it. project for her. But uh, but what are some of the... That, you mentioned a couple of the principles, this notion. It's really how you frame it, uh, a guest versus a customer, things like that. It seems like that's a big part of it. What are some other things that you well, teach your staff I, about? I like... It's very important for me to, to show my guests that it's it's not a business for me. You know, it's really about the pizza. It's I'm living my best life now. I really am. I'm doing what I used to do at home. And one of the things that I do to show that, and it takes people aback sometimes, I'll, like, I'll wear hats from other pizzerias. I'll promote other pizzerias. Yeah. Not only just wear the hat, I'll have discussions with people and talk about, you know, I find out where they live. And, you know, maybe it's on the east side of Manhattan or something. I may mention uh, somebody I know has a pizzeria there or wherever. And I like to do that to show people that it's really about it's about the pizza, not about you know being a business. Uh-huh. Now I, I need to make money, but uh, for instance, I don't. You can't wear Paulie G's logo stuff in Paulie G's. I don't want it to look like uniforms. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I'd rather, you don't want to feel like you're a billboard for yourself. <laughs> right. So that's uh, that's a, a very important principle for me. But that's kind of cool because in a way. By, by promoting other quote competitors, so to speak, you're really like paying it forward, and you're and you're saying we're part of one big community. We're not we're not we're not combating each other. We're we're right. supporting each other. That's actually the, usually the first thing. Oh, you're wearing your competitor's hat, and I said no, we're not competitors. We're all colleagues. There you go. And sometimes I'll say whether they like it or not. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Whether they recognize it, I do. But that's yeah. but is you're 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 controlling the narrative though by doing that because you are establishing a different frame of reference than most people bring to, quote, business. Right, and, and I learned that from, um, before we opened, I used to, I fell in love with Totono's. Totono's? Yeah, yeah that, was the, that was really, um, I forget the term, I, I use it all the time, but that was really the turning point in terms of um, 
my, my love for pizza. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I was cold loving pizza. I started hunting out other places. Yeah. And I would go back to Totono's and I talked, God rest his soul, the owner, uh, Joel, Cookie's yeah. husband. And I'd mention, oh, yeah, I went to this place. And, and no sooner did I mean, ah, what do you want to go there for? They do this. They do that. Yeah. And, and it just made me uncomfortable that, you know, somebody was bad-mouthing another pizzeria. You right, know? right. And, you know, I would never do that. And, you know, one thing you'll never hear me say is that my pizza's better than someone else's, you know. If someone asks me about someplace, I'll always find something good to say. You know, even if it's, you know. What do you think? Of, what do you think of their pizza? Or whatever? They got a great sign, okay? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'll always find something. Something nice. positive. Yeah, exactly. So being so being positive is a big part of your well, your worldview, really. Your the way you the way you live your life. I do my best. Well, <laughs> do my for, best and, be and a lot of people who are listening know who you are. Maybe they've been to your, but maybe listeners also that don't know about Paulie G's or even where it's located. Can you give us a quick recap of sort of the Paulie G's story? Because you didn't start out as a pizza guy. You came into it as sort of like uh, uh, not a, I won't call it a midlife crisis, but it was like reinventing yourself in midlife. Yes, yeah, so I, I was. I really wasn't reinventing myself. But I was just letting myself come out because. Uh-huh. Uh, for 30 years, I, I, I like to say masqueraded as a corporate IT professional, uh, and I wasn't really that good at it. But it was a career I chose, and uh, at, at you know at the age of 54, I decided I was going to open up a pizzeria, and I, I practiced for two years at home. And then, um, long story short, I wound up opening up in Greenpoint, and that's where we have uh, my wood-fired pizzeria, and I was there and, and along the way um, I'd spend almost every night in there just to go home when we were still living in New Jersey uh-huh. I'd go home on Sunday night come back on Tuesday so I wasn't there on Monday but I was there all the time uh-huh. uh, and eventually the place was successful and I knew that the owner really has to be there and I, I, I am very fortunate that I love being in the restaurant and interacting with guests I have a curiosity about people. I like to meet people, make new friends. And I love that, and I get to do that. I know that a place isn't going to be as successful without the owner there. And I, so I never wanted to open up more than one place. Uh-huh. So uh, around 2014, I decided, uh, maybe even 2013, uh, that I wanted to help other people, up, take people. And I learned this from Amway, too. Uh, Amway taught me a whole bunch of stuff in life. So if you help, help, you can help yourself by helping other people. Uh-huh. So I decided to create a company where um, I could teach other people to do what I did. Yeah. You know, and I wanted to attract people like me, people who are, you know, not not that young and in a career that maybe they're not crazy about and give them an opportunity to do what I'm doing. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, that approach is not going to be attractive to somebody who may be here today because they already own a restaurant or a pizzeria, but somebody who wants to, right. you know, inroads into doing something new, I want to help them. And I did that. We opened up four places in 2016. That wasn't the plan, but it all happened then. So and those four places, I know the, I know the one in, in Logan Park in Chicago, Logan right? Square in Logan Chicago, um, uh, Columbus, Ohio, oh. uh, in the short north in Columbus, in uh, Hamden in Baltimore. And we did have uh, Miami, but that one didn't work out. Um, and more recently, uh, after that, the same year, 
it kind of started. Um, I had stopped serving pizza to go. Uh I I wasn't happy with what a pizza box did to it. Right. And financially, I was at a point where I felt that I could stop doing that. I got that from Chris Bianco. Okay. Right. If you you go on Chris Bianco's website, yeah, I remembered it saying that you know, he won't he won't take orders yeah. to go. He'll give you a box if you want to take some pizza home with you. And, right. But you, when you there, first right. have to and eat he may it even the, let you order a new one to take home because he, he wants, wants you to you taste there. it the way that he that he right. at its peak. And, yeah. So I did that. Okay. And I knew I was leaving money on the table. People were complaining that oh, I I love taking your pizza to the park. Can't you make an exception? And you know that's a slippery slope. But um. So finally, I, I got this idea to open up a New York-style pizzeria because that style of pizza travels better. And I, I started pursuing that. I think I started pursuing that in 2000, well, 2016. Uh, maybe earlier than that, I had the idea. And then eventually in 2018, uh, we opened up a slice shop uh, right on the corner. I took a page out of Danny Meyer's book. Yeah. Because Danny Meyer, for 10 years, all he had was the, uh, I really miss my coffee, by the way. This is terrible. I left my coffee cup somewhere. And, and if this interview doesn't come out good, that's why. It's because you didn't get your, your jolt. All right. So um, Danny Meyer, in Danny Meyer's book, Setting the Table, you know, he said he had, for 10 years, he didn't want to open up a second place. But when he finally did, he opened it up a few blocks away from the Union Square Cafe so he could walk from one place to uh-huh. the other. And that's what I did in Greenpoint. I, I opened up the slice shop, and I got very excited about it when I realized that I could um, create this old school pizzeria, yeah. a pizzeria of my youth. So, okay, exactly. And they're like, these are New York. You sell it by the slice at the slice shop. We obviously. do sell it by the slice. We have, you know, round pies. We have Sicilian squares. Uh-huh. We have a. A unique feature. We have sesame seeds on the bottom of the Sicilian. That's cool. Yeah. That I got from a, uh, I have to pay homage to them, a place called Freddy's in uh, Whitestone, Queens. Okay. That's why uh, our, you know, our basic one is called the Freddy Prince. Okay. Oh, yeah. Freddy it was, Prince. It was an upside down Sicilian and there was a place that was doing upside downs that had Prince in their name. So well, I know there that. are more and more places doing the sesame seed undercrust now, you know. There are, huh? Yeah. Well, imitation is the highest form from... of flattery. There you go. Well, the yeah. sincerest form of flattery. I've heard it said both ways. Well, it's it's, it's flattery either way. And, uh, yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we featured in, uh, I think it's in this book here, in the new Pizza Quest book, there's one from uh, Boulder, Colorado, from... Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't let know me, that. Let me see if I can find the page. And Audrey, you know Audrey Kelly? Oh, I know Audrey. Yeah. So Absolutely. Audrey does a, Audrey, Audrey, a grandma pizza. I think that she's... If I'm Audrey not Jane. Yeah, Audrey Jane's um, uh, it's like a, a garage uh, pizzeria, you know. And, and Still haven't been there. Let me see if I can find it, what she calls it. Um, uh, but it was a tribute to her grandma. So it's like a grandma pizza. Uh, square pie. Wait a minute. Here we go. Yeah, it's the patty-style grandma pizza. And she called the patty style because that was her grandma's name. And um, let me see. I'm going to go to that page and see if that's the one. I know that she did a demo on in our interview this, with her. This is a little shameless self-promotion here, no? Well, that's the whole point is we are cross-promoting constantly. I hope but you got can to hear do, me but, smiling and but laughing. Here's the, here, but the cool thing about this book is is that that people like yourself are featured yeah. in it. And this is really a book. Of, it's a tribute book 
to all the great pizza makers that I've gotten to meet over the years Thank at the you. Expo. Thanks for including and you're us. one of the ones that are featured. So here's here's Audrey's patty style grandma pizza. And if I let me just see if, uh, if, if this is the one. I know that she did a demo for us once and she put sesame seeds on the undercrust. Um, looking at it right now. Right now, grandma crust. Maybe, maybe she should have called it grandma Sesame Freddy. seeds, yeah. Nope, it's a sesame. Half a cup of sesame seeds. Yeah. Wow, very yeah. good. So... So and who knows, you know, where they, everyone gets their inspiration from. Wherever, wherever you learned it from, they may have got it there. They may have gotten it from you. A lot of people have been inspired by what they saw, what you were doing, because you, you know, again, you came out of in a way out of nowhere, and suddenly you were hitting, you were in full stride by the time most people discovered you, and um, and one, they wanted to know what your secret sauce was, and it wasn't just obviously as you're saying here, just the pizza. There's it had something to do with the, your philosophy of how to do a business and how to be in business with others. and The secret sauce. That's just funny. Ed Levine has a, um, has a podcast that mentions He called calls it secret sauce, secret sauce yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, there you so. go. Um, so, so um, again, for people who, uh, well, we know a little bit now about your, your origin. You, you mentioned that a couple of times that you'd worked for Amway. That was probably in an earlier life. And then you were Well, doing I didn't IT. work for them. I was an Amway distributor. So you, so you were an independent... Amway distributor, yes, right? Correct. But which is, I guess, how the model, right? And, um, so, how long did that go? And, and yeah, what what were some of the key takeaways of being, you know, in that model and being trained that is, way? You know, they um, the, that model it, it serves everyone to do everything they can to uh, help the people who they introduce the business to. It's it's a multi level yeah. marketing model. Um, it, 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 you need to inspire other people to do well. You need to give them everything they need um, to succeed. Yeah. So, you know, you go to conferences. You, they, they march people out who have done what you want to they do. They show you that it's possible. Yeah. So I got out of that. You have to, you have, to have a belief that you could do it. Um, yeah, and you have to make commitments. I spoke my first pizzeria into existence. By saying that I'm going to open up a pizzeria, because once you do that, yeah, kind of you kind of got to do it, it's right? Kind of like an and, and what I learned from them is don't be afraid to do that. Uh, okay, interesting. interesting. Uh, you know, and also I was looking for investors at the time. You just keep on talking to people. You know, the no's are fine. You get 15 no's to get one yes yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I learned to believe in myself and to make commitments. That was very important. Interesting. And, and uh, do you think that? learning to believe in yourself is something that you can actually do if someone who doesn't believe in themselves can be trained to learn how to believe in themselves or is it something that you're kind of born with no you you need to find proof that it's possible uh, I looked I started looking at other people who were doing what I wanted to do I said do I have what it takes to do that and most importantly of all the people I looked at Mark Iacono oh really Mark Iacono was um, he was in construction he was a marble countertop fabricator, I do believe. Wow. Okay? And, and, and I saw what he did. He opened up a pizzeria. He was never involved in a restaurant before. He built the place himself. Okay? It took him two and a half years. And he opened up. And literally, within about a week, word got out. And he was the most popular pizzeria in New York. And that gave me the belief that I could do that. And I looked to other people who were doing what I did, or I wanted to do, and that gave me the belief. You have to seek out the proof 
that you could do it. Yeah. And you know, and and I and I, the other thing that I learned as, as a multi-level marketeer going to these conferences is that we all have seeds of greatness within us, and you just have to let those seeds grow. Uh-huh. Uh, those seeds. I'm a firm believer in God. Don't ask me what God is yeah. or anything. I have no idea, and I, I don't. And I said this. This is one of the takeaways I said yesterday. I don't think anybody has the ability to comprehend God, but you just have to have faith that there yeah. is a God and yeah. there's a connection. And th- that's those seeds of greatness, okay? And you have to look around. You see other people succeed. That means that those seeds grew, and you have them, and you can make them grow too. One takeaway that I get from what you just said is the importance of having role models or examples. Proof of concept because if somebody else can do it, then then that means that you too can do it. Right. If you can do it, you know, if I could do it, you could do it. I want I want other people to feel that way. I want them, when, when I spoke yesterday, I wanted people who were sitting out there wondering if they could accomplish what I accomplished. I wanted them to get that belief because that belief was given to me by other people. And, and a lot of people now look at you as a kind of a mentor figure. Do you have, uh, like people like Mark, did you actually, you know, utilize him as a mentor? Did you pe- talk to people like that who you thought were good examples? Absolutely. And, and pick their brains for... I, I talked to him. I, I talked to Matthew Palombino from Motorino. Uh, most importantly, uh, and I'm not leaving people out. I just, it's, there's a long list, but I spoke with Chris Bianco. And it took me until recently to, to realize his greatest gift to me. Um, we went, I sat with my son um, in his bar. He has a bar next to his pizzeria right. in, in, in Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. And we sat, before he opened, we sat, we drank wine together. Uh, my son wasn't 21, I don't think, so maybe <laughs> he didn't. Was he 21? Oh, yeah, he was 21. So it was uh, 22. Was so we drank wine. I don't remember a lot because when you drink on an empty yeah, stomach, right. that can happen. Right. But uh, one thing that he did was he, he validated what I was doing. I asked him about tomatoes. I said, Paulie, you got to go out, just try tomatoes. Forget about DOP, this and that. Go out and try the tomato and, and, and serve the tomato that you like you best. Go. And right. that was exactly what I was doing. It made me feel so good that I'm doing the right thing, right? Yeah. The other thing was he taught me something very special. I... I said, you know, uh, what about, for, uh, because I was wondering if I should be making my own fresh mozzarella when I opened up a pizzeria or not. And I said, Chris, you make your own fresh mozzarella. Should I do that? He says, Paulie, the reason I make my own fresh mozzarella, and maybe I shouldn't be saying this, there may be insulting mozzarella makers in Phoenix, but he <laughs> said, I can't find any really good fresh mozzarella here in Phoenix. But if I were you in New York, there's a there's a hundred guys that could make great fresh uh-huh. mozzarella. Use their support their business; they'll support you. I never forgot that. I use that, and to the, and, and I applied that model with Mike's Hot Honey and other other things that we served on our pizza. And so he he, he taught me that. He encouraged me. But the most important thing, and I never realized it until just recently. He, he is a very special person. I call him my pizza Yoda, okay? Yeah. And I, I realized that when I went and talked with him, he was very generous with his encouragement, his knowledge, and he's a very special man, and he was willing to spend that time with me. And I couldn't let him down. I realized that, and here I go again, for Clemson. Getting get flinked for Clemson, yeah. That, yeah. that I had to show him that I... I appreciated and used what he was willing to give me that he didn't have to. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, and that was it. Well, that what better of a role model, somebody that can touch your heart and inspire you to be that kind of person, also for others. He really did. He was a wonderful man. So, so that um, that's a that's a great example of uh, having a person who influenced you, uh, inspired you, we'll say, and gave you some really practical tips of life that have. Uh, <laughs> He put accountability into me, so that you know, I was accountable to him at that point. I didn't realize it until now, but I like that. I was accountable the, to him because he was willing to give me something special, and he, he and he's willing to give that to so many people. He's just an amazing guy, an amazing guy. Well, you mentioned Mike's Hot Honey as an example, and of course, um, that's one. Uh, uh, I think a really good case study, so to speak, of kind of your your vision of life playing it, itself out through your restaurant. Because Mike, Mike, Mike also has a recipe in the book that that basically he fine-tuned working with you. He, the, uh, I'll give the capsule story. Maybe you can tell it from how it happened from your side of it. That Mike came by and you let him make pizzas at Paulie G's, and he brought in some of his hot honey and you, and uh, just showed it to you, and somehow it turned into a, exactly a very popular item on the menu and spun an entire company, Mike's Hot Honey Company, into existence. I did. He, um, you know, I had learned through Chris to support others. And the very first person I did that with was somebody who was making bacon marmalade. Oh. And um, I, I, I did this before the restaurant even opened. I went to like this food fair that they had every month in Greenpoint. And I, I, you know, I was trying to bond with the community. I was introducing myself to people. I wanted them to know I was opening this pizzeria. And I found this guy. I was looking for a product that would go good on a pizza. And I found this bacon marmalade. And... I talked to him, and when the pizzeria opened, he came in with the product, and we tried some things out together, and we did that, and it was successful. You know, if I do that, I'm supporting somebody in the local community. Their friends are going to come in. It's going to, you know, it's going to snowball, right? And the same thing happened with Mike. Mike had been making the honey at home, and he was following me. I wasn't aware of that, and uh, he came in, and he told me that, you know, he was also experimented with making pizza himself. He told me he wanted to learn how to make pizza. He heard that I was doing that. And and he was know. in a totally different business. He was working like in the music business or something like that. So yes, he had a career. This business. was like a passion for him is on the side. And and I said, sure, come in on Wednesday. Uh, you know, come in this time. My son will help start teaching you how to make pizza. And and that's what we did. And uh, he, But he brought the honey in with him and, you know, and right away, I said, I got to find something to put this honey on, you know. Because first of all, I love contrasting sweet and savory. Yes. So that was a great opportunity for me to do that. Right. And, and again, it was a great opportunity to support um, the local community, just like the guys who built my place. If anybody's seen my wood fired place, believe me, I'm serving pizza. I love to play music for people. But I'm, uh, the other thing that I'm offering people is a very seductive environment. And yeah. uh, the uh, guys that built my place, they were from the neighborhood. They were young. They were just starting to build places that young people were hanging out at. They built this place entirely from recycled materials, a place called the Manhattan Inn. And I wanted them. I didn't think I could afford them, but we found a way to do it where yeah. they built my place. And I saw them supporting the local artisan, uh -huh. you know, uh, designers, builders. And they would bring their friends in. I was afraid it was going to be like, you know, like 
you know, a version of Goodfellas where they bring them. Because part of the deal was they get to come in and eat for free. Yeah. I was afraid they were going to come in with all their friends yeah, and yeah. bought $100 bottles of wine, but they never did that. And, and offer you protection. <laughs> and, and they, you know, and I, they just, without them, my pizzeria wouldn't have been as nearly so cool. as, as so. So you, you, so the, the, when you started putting the honey on, uh, and Mike's Hot Honey is basically honey with a special blend of cayenne powder, but it's spicy. Uh, but were you, were, did you guys come up with the application, or did was was that an idea he had, or because it went on, uh, it went on the uh, uh, went on the Del Boy, the Del Boy, yeah, the Del Boy pizza, yeah. And no, we we you know we talked a little bit about it together, and I said let's try it on this, and and we liked it a lot. And all of a we sudden it, it became a, a hot menu. And that item. was it. And and then and then it seemed like it it. I was judging a pizza competition, and there was maybe one pizza that was finished off with some hot honey. The next year, I'm judging a pizza competition. It's like half the pizzas that are coming in are all being finished off with hot honey. It became you know, this hot item. It, 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 you know, uh, plagiarism is uh, <laughs> well. There you go. <laughs> the highest form it, of flattery, it right? Was, it clearly hey, sparks. I, I, I'm gonna. I, 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 I don't know what the name of this stuff is, but I got to mention. There's a guy here that sells a similar product. Oh, really? And, 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 and in big letters on the sign, it says, we're better. Okay? If anybody ever sees this guy, ask him, better than what? What are you talking about? Interesting. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. would I would never yeah. say to someone that my pizza is better than somebody right, else. Right, right, right. We're better. Okay. Well, I think I thought Mike was going to be here. And I have been, Mike I'm is here. See, I haven't run into him yet. But no, Mike is here. So Don't ask him about we're better. Okay? No, no, no. But, but, guy, but, but I can't believe that guy. But, but that says that. something that if you create a product that other people then want to knock it off and copy it, well, that means that you've you've struck gold there. You know, you've got a product that is worth imitating, and sometimes competition is good for everybody because. Uh, you know, it, it validates. Wow. You were talking about being validated by, by some of the things that. Well, uh, and that, you that know, Chris I like Bianco to say that. Um, you know, we're all colleagues and everything, but but you know, the best way I've learned to compete is don't compete. And it worked out fine. You know, if, if if you say you're better than somebody else, somebody's you know somebody's going to want to yeah. prove you different. Yeah, right? yeah. You have to be humble. Well, uh, I'm so glad I get to see you again, and and I'm glad you were here at the. Uh, at the expo and got to do the keynote, even though, as you said, it, it was, you didn't want to make a speech. You just wanted to just have a conversation. And, uh, and, that, and I think well, that's what people like. I could tell you also that you uh, mentioned in my interview, because oh. somebody asked me how I developed my dough recipe. And I pointed out that my dough recipe, after me buying a little plastic bag from Stop and Shop, yeah, yeah. okay, I started making my own dough and I started I started with, with your neo-Neapolitan recipe okay. in American Pie. I did, I, okay. You may have told me that a bit, but I didn't remember that. I didn't, I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't because actually, that. I think the first time I met you was in Las Vegas, actually. Maybe it was in Vegas. And, and I was so, you know. At the expo there. To, yeah. to meet you, I was like, I was meeting a god here. I couldn't believe it. I, I want to let you know that, that my pizza recipe started with yours. Oh, wow. That's why yeah. now I feel, again, even more connected to your success so so we're talking with Paulie G who's again original location in Greenpoint but now how many sh shops do you have now you still have the okay. slice shop we have, we, have we have licensed shops in uh, Baltimore and Hamden uh, wood fire but actually all the places are making a second 
style of pizza now that enables them to, uh, you know, because the pizza travels better. Right. Baltimore, they're making New York style pizza. He does something very interesting. Uh, because of the labor shortage, he can't run the wood-fired ovens every day. He now has wood-fired Wednesdays. Oh, okay. But he has very popular wood-fired pie. Do you have a time limit on this thing, by the way? We we play it by year. We have no, All right, no good. short or All long. Right. So know, don't sell it after the sale. So you can put, make it any length you want. Good. So um, he had a lot of pies that he popularized. We popularized before him and some of his own. And, and people want those. So he, he has a pizza master in there. And he's making New York style pies, 18-inch New York style pies. And um, but he also makes 12-inch New York style pies ah. with that dough recipe. And on those pies, he puts the toppings that he normally would have on the wood fire pies. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Until the labor market, you know, firms right, up. Right. And um, so we have Baltimore, Hamden, uh, Columbus, also in the short north in Columbus. TJ uh, is doing Sicilian pies. I think it's Detroit style pies as well. He's getting a pizza master. Um, Halloween, he said his, his pizza master's coming in. And, uh, and then there's Derek in Chicago, right? And he's and Derek doing, in Chicago. And he's, and he's doing square pies uh, there. He started right from the get-go doing Detroit-style pizza. I tried to talk him out of it. I said, just focus on making this first, and then you can move into that. But no, he really wanted it, and, and he didn't. And thank God, you know, I didn't talk him out of it. I think one of, one of his award-winning pies that uses a bacon marmalade, too, is part of the, I think the one that he, he has featured in the book, I think, is it uses the yeah. bacon one. And, yeah, and, and he, uh, he's doing great stuff there. He opened up a second, uh, he opened up a slice shop as well, in right, right in the next neighborhood in Wicker Park. And a uh, little different than our slice shop. It's a little yeah. less traditional. That's the interesting thing is, is that they call it the, the Paulie G's, you know, your name is on it, but yet you give them total freedom, I guess within within the defined, you know, uh, parameters do. to do, to be themselves and be creative. And It's my and, biggest challenge. To watch them do it, I don't think they should be doing. Uh-huh. You got to let them. Sometimes it work. You know, sometimes I was right. Sometimes I was wrong. Like a proud but, papa. You but it is. Let them make their own mistakes. They need that autonomy. If they don't have that autonomy, they're not going to feel like the owner. They yeah. need, to, they need yeah. to be the owner. Feel that. So he opened up the second shop there. Um, and then I, being a, a lover of New Orleans, yeah. had an opportunity to open up a slice shop in New Orleans. Oh, I didn't know that. We opened up a year and a half ago, and uh, it's it's in the warehouse district. <laughs> Again, it's very much like the, the place that, that I built in Greenpoint is an homage to the 60s and 70s slice shops. Right. Uh, you know, I have, I have a lot of Yankee memorabilia there. I have a lot of music memorabilia from the 60s and 70s. Uh, in New Orleans, I have the same, but it focuses on New Orleans music. I have... Uh-huh. Uh, a, a prized possession of mine, and if anything ever happens to that, I'm going to be furious. Uh, my father's Louis Prima album. Oh my gosh! All right, which is autographed by Sam Butera, who was he was a sax player yeah. and band leader, basically in Louis Prima's band. Yes, and he was one of after Louis passed. I think he continued to front he the band. He did. Then. Yes, yeah, he yeah, did. Yes, and uh, I have Dr. John. Nobody knew Dr. John until he came out with this song in the early '70s. Uh, in the right place, I think it was called. I have that album from that time the in John a frame the there. And I have I have a poster from a New Orleans uh, music festival, the size of Woodstock in terms of the lineup and, yeah, the, and yeah. you know the, these people who perform: Janis Joplin, Candide. Um, and then I have I don't have any Yankee stuff. Uh, I have Loyola basketball. I have LSU. Yeah. I have. 
Tulane, I have the New Orleans Jazz, uh, Pete Mar Pistol Pete Maravich. Oh boy. Yeah. There is one Yankee there, though. Uh, I'm going to guess Ron Gidrich. Very good. You've heard but, me say this before. No, I haven't. Oh, yes, you no, did. No, no, because I didn't even know you had a shop down there, but I was, the reason I thought of him is because he's from New Orleans. Louisiana Light. Yeah, yeah. He's actually from the same town as uh, my favorite um, uh, Zydeco musician, Buckwheat Zydeco. Oh, yeah. Lafayette, which I always Lafayette, thought they'd pronounce yeah. it Lafayette, but you quickly learn in New Orleans that they don't put French on anything. We're a half a block from a street you would think would be called Carondelet, because everything's French, right? Yeah. It's Carondelet. But he's <laughs> he's from Lafayette. Interesting. Well, <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was a great pitcher. He was a great pitcher. Oh, yes, he was. I was there when, when he set the Yankee record of striking out 18 batters. And that's the night that the tradition of standing up when a batter has two strikes on him started. Oh, that I, night. No, yeah, I, I was there. I think it was June 18th. No, June something. 1978, I think. Yeah, 1970. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so also, recently, and again, I never wanted to own a place other than my own, but I just love New Orleans, and I I said, I got to do this, right? Eventually, I'll find somebody who could take it over. Right? So so, so you, you have to be down there then periodically? Yeah, I go right down there right? periodically, and, and I you know I need to be down there more than I can. So. But it sounds like it's a, it's a place you really like good. to revisit. Great pe the, pizza, the pizza's great. Uh, don't let anybody from Brooklyn hear this, but the pizza is really it's right good up there. Right? I won't say that it's better, okay? But, <laughs> but, uh, but everything tastes really tastes good. better in New Orleans. I don't know for some And so, more recently, also for the longest time, I was trying to find an operator for Philly because I just thought that there was a great opportunity in Philly. Uh, and I looked and I looked. I never found the right person. And my son, who lived in Philly, who was my first pizza maker. Yeah. Didn't want anything to do with it. I kept, are you sure you don't want to? No, Dad. No, Dad. I don't want to do this, Dad. And suddenly, more recently, after working as a research psychologist for a while, uh, I think he began to look at the financial aspects. And it started growing on him. And he said, well, maybe, you know, maybe it could be more like a bar with um, a pool table. And um, you know, maybe we could have a vinyl shop in there. And lo and behold, uh, we started looking for spots. And we, we weren't finding the right spot. We found a spot. And thank God the, the landlord slow walked it. We wanted, to, we wanted to sign a lease. We wanted to do something. We thought that it might work. It wasn't exactly what we were looking for. And it's this landlord, she just dragged her behind. And in the meantime, an iconic spot became available. If anybody knows who Mark Vetri is. Yes. He had a Roman trattoria there called Amis. Um, yes. And it, it had been off the market. It, actually, it had been bought out. He sold all his places to um, Urban Outfit. That's so right. Not all yeah. of it. And it closed a couple of years ago, and somebody was going to take it over. The pandemic knocked it out. Long story short, suddenly this place became available, and it is perfect. Is this the place that's down in South Philly by the Navy it's Yard or not, something? No, no. Oh, this is, okay. It's just south of Center City, Okay, and it is just perfect. Oh, and so is it open yet? We or swooped in. Yeah, it, it opened up in June. It, it's it's really... And is it called Paulie G's? It's called Paulie G's Soul City Slice Soul, Shop. Oh, wow. Just like in New Orleans, it's Paulie G's Crescent City Slice well, Shop. Well, uh, I'm headed back to Philly when, when we leave here. I'm That's my hometown. 
and uh, I'm staying with my brother there, so I've got to let him know now because I didn't know that. Well, I'll tell you, you got to go over there. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I'll tell you, it's easy to find, I found, because everybody in Philly knows this location. It's about 50 feet south of Dirty Franks. Dirty Franks? You don't know Dirty Franks? I do not know Dirty Franks, no. Okay. It's a dive bar, and, it, and it's, you know, they have pictures outside of Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah. Frank yeah, Zappa. Yeah. Pope Francis, I think. Everybody was on a, it. who's named Frank. Or yeah. Francis. yeah. yeah. Well, but but well. it's 50 feet south of there. Okay. It's a great location. I will find it. I will find it. And then again, it's a classic New York slice shop. It has the Cornelius Jet Spray JT20 awesome. double bowl beverage dispenser with the orange and the fruit punch, just like we do in New Orleans and, you know, in Greenpoint. And uh, we have all Philly stuff up there. Well, that's um, it. You're, you stay true. You know, you, you celebrate in, uh, the, where you are, right. not. not you're not trying to make everything into Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. I, have, I have a lot of Phillies and I have a lot of Sixers stuff up. Well, Phillies there. having a big week. As you and I are speaking today, uh, and, and people are hearing this weeks after it happened, but we, so we don't know how it'll end up. But the Phillies are still alive in the in the pennant race. They they knocked off the world champion Braves. Yes, they did. The Eagles beat Dallas yesterday. Uh, you know, so Philly, I think this is a big weekend for Philadelphia. Yeah, ask Derek Tung, our Chicago operator. Yeah. He couldn't get a rent. He had a very hard time getting a rental car. He managed to get one. But everybody who came after him the other day didn't get a car because there's so many people that came. Game, yeah, yeah, it's crazy, yeah, big week. So, so I'm headed back to Philly tonight after after the show ends today, and uh, maybe I'll grab my brother and we'll. Uh, you guys, uh, hopefully, you can get to watch the Yankees. Uh, there's the final the, game right the, the Guardians. They're down into the final. It's the winner take all game now. Five, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. So by the time this airs, everyone will know who who moved on, but. Uh, but uh, well, with Paulie sitting here, we'll say that uh, he, we know who he's rooting for tonight. And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. I'm a big Phillies fan now, though. Well, there you go. So yeah. I got, you know, I'm hedging my bets here. Well, we've covered a lot of ground today. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, we'll, why don't we uh, wrap this one up? Because uh, I know there's a few other people that we're going to be interviewing today. But uh, we've been having a, a fun chat with Paul. I always call him the legendary Paulie G. He, he from the day he opened, he was the legendary Paulie G. But you know, somehow that. It just seems to fit, you know, with Paul. Oh, stop. And, I'm not a legend. But not in your own mind, but in everyone else's, So, which is even that's, better. It's always better the when they be. say it instead of you. you know? That's the way it should and, be. Uh, and thanks for sharing, you know, some of your, some of these little uh, tips and perspectives that, you know, have made you an important person to a lot of people. That's very nice and, you to uh, say. And that. I look forward to seeing you both. At, well, is, is your son... Uh, present at the Philly shop is he there is he yeah he's there too much (laughs) well if I'm too much well when I get over there if I if I uh, see him I'll tell him yeah he he knows that he knows that you were interviewing me I let him I had to get off the phone because you were going to interview me and he was very impressed by that oh cool cool yeah I hope yeah he'll probably be there I hope he'll be there what's your son's name Derek. Derek, right. We call okay. him Del Boyd. Del oh, he's Boyd Del Boyd. He's the Del Boyd. That's yeah. right. So so those of you who are listening from the Philadelphia area, you know, head over there, ask for Derek. Uh, is ask he serving, for Del Boyd. Ask, uh, is he serving the Del Boyd pizza there? It must be. Huh? No, because that was wood-fired pizza. We, oh. serve, we actually serve pepperoni. We have the Hellboy. The Hellboy. We call it the, the Freddy Pepperoni. But and that's a part of the slice shop. That's the square, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the slice shop. So we. That's use... the one that's in the, that made it into the Pizza Quest book is the Hellboy. That from Mike's. That's Mike's contribution. Right. Was the, the, the was one the from, from the Hellboy from the, the Woodbine place? No, from oh, the, the slice. slice. Shop. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then we have in yours for the recipe of yours that's in the book is oh, one, the Monte Cristo. It's the Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. And I and the and the, the punchline of that was was that I wanted to put an egg on it, and you said don't put an egg on it. It's perfect the way it is. And I mentioned that in the in the story. And I said, you know, 
He's right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Paul E.G., thanks so much. And uh, it's great to see you again. All right. And uh, thank you, uh, all of you who are listening. Join us for the next episode of Pizza Quest. And uh, we'll see you there. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Forno Bravo for sponsoring this episode of Pizza Quest. To learn more, please visit fornobravo.com. That's F-O-R-N-O-B-R-A-V-O.com. That's it for this episode. If you want to hear more of our coverage from the Northeast Pizza and Pasta and Baking Expo, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.